everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantastic Lady Day podcast. And I am your host, Carrie Collins. And it is a Pride Month, so happy Pride to everybody. Um, we have a lot to get into in this episode. Um, it's going to be... Let's just say your girl has learned some things. Um, oof, we'll get into it. Um, but first, I have a few things that I just wanted to talk about, get off my chest, because there's some things that have happened that I've found out about that I'm like distressed yet excited for. So, without further ado, I just want to get into our opening clip because this clip I found is absolutely magical. This woman is the most fantastic lady. She is my spirit animal. And, um, yeah, I wanted to share her with you. Um, and since it is Pride Month, we are going to talk about some very specific things today that have to do with this new culture that we are finding ourselves in. Um, this woke culture. Um, and, uh, let's, I have been really trying to research and understand and, and do everything, you know, as a heterosexual, uh, biological female, um, I just, uh, wanted to make sure that when I talk about this, which I knew that this episode was coming and I wanted to talk about, um, you know, what I've learned and what I've kind of been learning from the community. I wanted to make sure that I knew what was going on in some ways. And I feel like it's such a complex subject that it is hard to kind of sift through everything and find the truth. Um, so anyway, with that being said, I did want to get into a lot of what's been going on in the LGBTQ plus community and uh so yeah so we're gonna get into that we're gonna do some other things first because I did want to give that its own space um so anything anyway without further ado let's get into our opening clip with our most fantastic when I turned 40 I decided that I could dress any way I wanted to why not it makes life much more fun. And you know, people notice and they talk and they smile. And if you can make people smile, that's the most important. And how old are you now? Oh my God, 83. And holding. No, no, I don't know if I'm holding or not. I'm 83. <laughs> I mean, she is a magical uniform woman that I want to be when I'm older. <laughs> Uh, I have a change of venue, if you guys can't tell. Um, I am actually in my daughter's room today. Um, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't intentional, but I think once we kind of get into some things that I want to talk about, I think it's kind of... It might kind of really fit the theme of today. Anyway, um, there's a lot going on in the world, guys. Um, first and foremost... Um, we have to honor a legend. Miss Amazing Tina Turner has passed away. Um, 
And I am so saddened. Like, I think, you know, she was just an icon, just such a powerhouse, um, and just broke through so many barriers as not only as, you know, a, a musician, but as a black female in a very volatile industry. Um, and then, you know, her own learning about her own personal story and domestic violence and all the things, and all the abuse that she had suffered. Um, I mean, she's just such an endearing person. Um, and, and she, and, and her presence in this world will definitely be missed. And so, um, I just wanted to pull up a little video. We're going to watch it just kind of in honor of her. And, um, yeah, so without further ado, I don't really want to I don't really want to take away from her spotlight, but I'm going to we're going to watch a little video um just kind of in her own words. Um it's one of her lastish videos that she did before her passing. So, anyway. Here we go. But the success of this duo came at a very steep price. She says Ike Turner consistently abused her. The thing that struck me is that he was so cruel. He was cruel because he depended on me. He didn't like that he had had to depend on me. And I didn't want to start a fight because it was always a black eye, a broken nose, a busted lip, a rib. It was... But Tina, it got to the point where you finally left, you decided to fight back, something you would never... I recently, this is very triggering. Um, I recently, I've had, I've had a family member who has recently gone through some domestic stuff. And uh, yeah, um, I definitely want to make sure to link any resources for you if you have are currently in a situation of domestic abuse, domestic violence. Um, there are resources out there for you, and I definitely, those will be linked um, in this uh, YouTube video in the description. So, um, and I'll definitely have, uh, for those of you who are just listening, I will definitely have links in the description um, of this episode. But if you haven't watched her documentary, uh, or not her documentary, but if you haven't watched, I think it was like a 93 uh, movie take on her life. Um, I please encourage you to watch it because to see what she had to go through. Never done before. And when I say fight back, I mean physically you fought back. I felt that I've had enough, just enough, enough. Now it's time to go out the door. I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. 36 cents. That was all. So here you are. You have to start over. You've had this career of Ike and Tina. And now you are Tina Turner. Are you thinking that you're going to be a success as Tina Turner at the age of close to 40? I didn't think about the singing at all. First of all, I was thinking about where I was going to lay my head. So The fact that this woman has gone through what she's gone through and year after year, month after you know, month, after month, year after year, like gone through this. And still thinking, I mean, she was just so beloved by the time that she left Ike. It's just so heart-wrenching to think that this woman didn't think that she was going to make it. Like, uh, oh, It's just amazing 
what domestic violence does mentally um, on the individual who's being abused. Um, but anyway, sorry, I don't want to. And I said, yes, but darling, you're young and I'm already old and I don't mind. Don't have. No, I have everything. When I sit at the Lake Zurich, you live and you die. You know? It's something that's accepted. Yeah. And so then after Urban said that, I said, okay, darling, if that's you're willing to give up a kidney, then fine. Is there anything you want now in life as you sit here, Tina Turner, that you don't have? No, I have everything. When I sit at the Lake Zurich in the house that I have, I am so serene. Wow. No problems. I had a very hard life that I didn't put blame on anything or anyone. I got through it. I lived through it with no blame. Here's to you. And I'm a happy person. Here's to you. You earned it. Cheers. Ah. Uh. What a magical woman, and it's just, she will definitely, definitely be missed. It's very sad that she's not going to be here, but, um, but yeah, what an incredible, incredible, incredible legend, woman, just activist, all the things. So, God bless you, Tina Turner. <laughs> Um, in other news, some exciting news. So a little bit about me. Um, I am pretty much obsessed. I have been obsessed with, um, stop animation. I actually thought that, um, I actually thought that I would go into creating animated films and, and that, and when I was in college, I went to college for graphic design and I started creating, like flash animations and things like that. And I just really had a passion for it. And I, even my first job out of college was working for a company that, um, that basically taught people how to create 3d animation. And, um, one of the coolest things of my life, um, was we got to go to a convention with my job that I was working the animation job that I was working at and in Dallas, and there I got to sit through a lecture given by the one and only Harry Hausen, which if you're not familiar with who Harry Hausen is, he is basically the father of stop animation. So all those Christmas movies like, you know, Rudolph's Red-Nosed Ranger, Santa's or uh, Santa Claus, uh, a, a Christmas without Santa Claus, you know, all those, uh, old, old movies. Like that was, that was part of his world. Like he created, he created that whole industry. And so to like sit and kind of, um, get to hear it from the creator of this great industry was amazing. It was probably one of the best things, best kind of situation or event that happened in my life. And so with that, I have just become the biggest Tim Burton fan. Um, I think a lot of his movies I just absolutely love. Um, and um, you can always tell in a Tim Burton movie uh, that kind of tip of the hat, that nod to Harry Harryhausen. 
Um, like in the Corpse Bride, the piano that Victor is playing on is it is the brand is called Harryhausen. Like so, there's always like these little nuggets. Like if you didn't know, you wouldn't you wouldn't see it. But like for people like me who are kind of stop animation nerds um, and a Tim Burton like fan, then you would know like all the little nuggets, which are cool. So, uh, which is why I was absolutely, absolutely um, excited to hear that they are finally confirming a release date for and cast for Beetlejuice 2. Now, before I get little woo-woo crazy, we all know how sequels go. <laughs> They're trying to, a lot of the industry is moving towards trying to recreate the most beautiful things from our past and it's hard to recreate and make something great. So with that being said, you know, they did come out with the Wednesday series on Netflix and I like it. I think Jenna Ortega is amazing. I think the fact that they brought back Christina Ritchie in just in the series as a character is just the most beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, I can't stand Catherine Zeta-Jones and uh, Louise Guzman, Guzman for um, Morticia and Gomez. Ugh, okay. And I feel like it does miss a lot. It's more dramatic, like teen drama rather than that kind of sassy, satirical, dark humor that the Addams Family has. So I've only really watched like a few episodes, but I do think overall, like for what it is, if you take out, you know, a lot of things that are kind of tried and true to Tim Burton and that whole franchise, like I think it's a good show, especially for people who are not, you know, who are, who don't know really the whole franchise of the Addams Family series and everything. Um I think the people who are truly dedicated to that series are kind of like, it's a hit. It's like, it's not bad, but it's not great. Um, but, and you know, like they, I was so excited. I remember just being so excited when they announced that there was Hocus Pocus 2. Haven't even watched it because um, a lot of my friends watched it and they were so disappointed with how it worked out. And so typically when, when uh, sequels come out, I'm not really excited. I I would love. I I had high hopes for Hocus Pocus and it failed, and so I'm just so nervous because this is like epitome. This movie is like epitome. Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas. Like that's the epitome of like my introduction to like his whole world. Edward. I mean, I just, I'm so nervous <laughs> that, uh, like, I'd, I'm definitely going to kind of wait for the reviews to come in before I personally go watch the sequel, but I really, really, really have high hopes for this new movie. What I am excited about is the original cast, some of the original cast coming back. I'm just, oh my God. Like if you haven't seen the first one, you need to go and rent it or you need to go watch it somewhere right now. So, uh, the cast, I'm so excited. So we have, um, we have Catherine O'Hare. She was amazing in the first one as Delia Dietz. 
Um, and of course, Winona Ryder in that whole decade, uh, like Heather's, Beetlejuice, all of the things. I mean, was just, uh, she was amazing. She's coming back as Lydia Dietz and Michael Keaton coming out of the gate as his original character, Beetlejuice, is, my life is fulfilled. So if this movie seriously lands, I am gonna be so excited. Oh my gosh. And there's some other characters, like additional characters, because obviously, you know, they can't play the same era that they're in. So basically what this, where this is going is, um, it's kind of, Lydia's all grown up and she has a daughter and her daughter is getting played by Jenna Ortega, which I think is fabulous. Um, they haven't really released any more details uh, other than September, I think I want to say September 6th. I'm going to have to look at that up. September 6th, 2024, guys. Mark your calendar. September, sometimes September. We're going to go watch the new Beetlejuice 2 movie. I am, I am ecstatic ecstatic those are kind of just some things that i wanted to talk about get off my chest um we're gonna kind of switch it up a little bit a little bit of our format's gonna be different i want to go into some crazy videos of people doing crazy things all right and here we go remember, remember stupid, stupid people, people doing stupid, stupid things, things. Good, times. good times what the fuck mom do you mind I'm trying to smoke my blunt. In the fucking refrigerator? You got Lunchables? What's up yeah, with you? Yeah, I got my munchies, my soda, in case I choke. God damn. Should I leave you be? Bye-bye. <laughs> I mean, that's a first. If I do say so myself. Uh, you know, Granny's doing Granny things. That's all I got. Uh, this next one is super cringeworthy, so just, you know, I I think, you know, uh, there's a podcast that I listen to, it's called Your Mom's House with Dave's, or, Tom Segura and Christina Pete, and uh, they, they have a whole category of, like, douchers um, who are all about the ladies and sexualizing and all the gross things, they call them cool guys, so this is what I would categorize, categorize as a cool guy, so... Ugh, and the smile at the end, could it be any more, any more cringy? Like, that's just, um, yeah, cool people doing cool things. I don't know why, like, I don't understand, like, what goes through people's heads when they think, uh, that they should do, you know, some, some crazy things, um. And I'm trying to get, okay, so guys, I apologize. I'm trying to get better at remembering that there are only audio listeners. So that first clip was an old lady, like a grandma lady, in a refrigerator smoking weed. <laughs> Just living her life in an empty refrigerator. And then the second clip was of a elderly man at a very public library uh 
pulling up porn on the public computers and getting out his flip phone and taking a picture of it on his phone. And then he notices like somebody walk, obviously walks up to him recording him doing this. And he looks at the person and just has this cringy smile like, yep. Oh, sorry. You know, didn't mean to do that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to, I'm from now on, I'm going to put it into my brain that I have to be more conscious of you uh, audio listeners. So Here's our next clip. These next series of clips are just going to be people doing the most asinine, stupid things that I don't know why, one, they survive it, and two, how they don't end up in the hospital. So. <laughs> First of all, I love the, the commentary. <laughs> they need the ambulance. So this is uh, of a individual who thought it was good to ride a four-wheeler as fast as they could. They obviously lost control, went through somebody's yard, and completely impaled themselves, like T-boned a sparked vehicle. <sighs> I just don't understand. This next clip, I really don't understand. Like, is this person drunk? Like, here, let's just let's just watch. I'll describe it to you. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a stunt, like he's purposely trying to just be like, <laughs> but it's basically these guys on motorcycles and the guy that's being filmed is laying like just completely like reclined on the motorcycle while it's going full speed uh, down a street, like no control. And uh, he obviously runs off the road and crashes. So I don't know. He could be, could he be drunk? Who knows? But it's just like, I don't understand why you do that. I don't understand. I don't understand. This one, I just, I had to laugh. Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> Let it go, let it go. <laughs> so this one is a little confusing because I mean this individual could definitely be man or a woman. I think it is a woman, but basically it's an individual who looks very interesting, <laughs> very confusing. Um in a Let's call it a frozen dress. I don't know, but uh, they're coming down the stairs. Um, and yeah, it, it looks like if you were to have bought frozen tickets um, <laughs> from the trailer park. Let's just put it that way. Oh, again, more stupid people doing stupid things. This one I don't think is as bad, but it's kind of ingenious. I'm not going to lie. So, oh my God. So basically there's a car like kind of hoisted up over the edge of this bridge and they have, t looks like they have taken the wheel off and they have put a band or something around it that is tethered very far away in distance to an inner tube with somebody on it. So they're obviously on some sort of creek river situation. And so they rev the engine so that the, it spins the cord backwards 
and makes that individual in the inner tube go flying. Luckily, you know, I was expecting them to like just smack into the bridge or like smack into something and seriously injure themselves. So a little disappointed, a little disappointed that there wasn't more injury. And last but not least, um, you know, the only time I think men could ever, ever really understand and experience what it's like to be, uh, to be in labor is when they rock themselves. You're welcome. Three, two, one. Let's fucking do it. You good? (laughs) You good? No, I'm not good. My whole insides went in, it literally inside of me. Oh my gosh. So funny. Yeah, so let's let's get into some of the nitty gritty. Um, I don't know how to really segue or transition into new topics, so we're just gonna we're just gonna head into it. I do have a little bit of apprehension, you know, just because it is a very vulnerable place when you're speaking on such very very controversial or not uh, very complex issues that are going on in the world. And what I'm talking about. Or what I want to kind of go into is talking about the whole gender identity movement. Um, And before I kind of really get into the nitty gritty of it, I've been really wanting to educate myself, you know, more. I mean, as again, as somebody who hasn't walked through the shoes of the LGBTQ plus community, I can only have the outsider's perspective. And so when I'm wanting to learn about a community, like I want to learn, I mean, the best way for me to learn is to actually hear people's stories who are part of the community to get different perspectives, to get both sides. Like I want to know both sides of the story and I guess kind of where I'm walking away or where I'm kind of walking away, what information I'm walking away with is there's kind of like two issues that, I'm very concerned about. Um, I have been in support of the community. I have family members that are a part of the community. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen what people, in, in the outside perspective of what, like a fourth of what they've had to go through, like what it actually feels like walking through that. I, I just can only imagine how hard that has been for people to get the equality to be able to live the life that they wanted to live that makes them feel comfortable. And I never want to take that away from somebody. I think everybody has the right within an, a, a rational mind, an adult mind who can make those big life changing decisions. Um, I think just in general, we kind of live in a world that is very much about instant gratification. And I think it's, it's, it's not a norm to plan for the future. It's like, I know that right now I'm feeling this intensely and I, and I need to do it now instead of thinking about what is it going to, when I do this, what is it going to look like in five, 10, 20 years? Like doing the research on, on what exactly you're transitioning into, like, what does that mean? Like all the aspects of it, physicality and everything. 
Um, <clears throat> so like I said, I don't, I think everybody has, I feel like everybody has the right to live the life that they, they want to, whether that's gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, whatever. Um, even with all the new gender identity things, like I think we can, we can have healthy debates on, you know, biological and, you know, what people identify as. And I still think, you know, everybody has the right to identify however they want to de- identify. Um, and um, I think there, but there is a fine line between, um, you know, what you feel and what is biologically true um, in, 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 as far as like when it comes to like the medical community, you know, um, because, um, and this is the part that's so disheartened or just so heartbreaking for people who truly feel like they are born in the wrong body is like, no matter what you do physically, mentally, whatever, to become what you feel like you identify as, like, there's still no way of fighting biology. Right. So a transgender woman is still always genetically going to be male. Right. And that's kind of heartbreaking in my eyes because, you know, I just don't know what that would be, what that would feel like knowing that, like, you've done all these things and you still couldn't really like it really wouldn't be what you feel inside. So I think, you know, I do with that think that there is a mental part of this that needs to be nurtured, you know? Um, and I think even as adults, you know, life moves and changes and I wasn't the same person I was before I got married. I wasn't the same person that I was 10 years ago. I don't, I don't have the same beliefs that I was when I was 20 and now I'm being 40. So I think there is like this natural progression in your life too, to change what doesn't serve anymore because we all grow and learn and start transitioning just in our daily lives without having to transition genderly. Um, I don't even know if genderly is a word. So um, I guess what, what I wanted to talk about are kind of like two things that I'm kind of struggling with. Um, And one being something that I have really found to be something that I think is a non-negotiable for me. Um, I really wanted to, like I said, get my education, get my information from the source, from the community. So I found a group, um, I found a group online and it's an organization. Well, there's a couple of organizations, but there's Gays Against Groomers and Trans Against Groomers. Um, you can just go, I mean, their website is literally just that. It's gaysagainstgroomers.com. Um, but they, there's a lot of people who are in the gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans community that are speaking out um, against indoctrinization sexualizing and medicalizing children. Um, and I'm going to get into that. I first want to get into some other things. The other thing is that is more of my concern as a woman is I, I want to, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person and I don't know if anybody else feels like this. I just, 
kumbaya. You know, I just want every, I feel like there's just space enough for everybody. Um, I don't think everybody has to agree with everybody's ideology or what they identify with or how they live their lives. We don't have to agree. That's the beauty of this country. Um, where I, where I have concerns with and struggle with is this very, very, let's call it radical side where it's being forced and rights, my rights are getting taken away as a parent. And I don't think people have to take up other communities space to exist. Maybe that's me being naive and maybe I need to, you know, look into that more often, but you know, for example, the whole um, trans women in women's sports, right? So there's this whole thing, there's this whole thing that's going around between Leah Thomas and Riley, I can't remember her last name. Um, she's speaking out of, against having Leah Thomas be a part of women's sports, um, just because physically, you know, women can't. She made a she made a point, and I want to give. I'm going to give both points. So she made a point of saying um, that women are equal, but biologically, physically, there are differences, which I agree with. Um, and Leah is saying, you know, you can't you can't say that you're accepting of trans women when you don't allow trans women in women's space which I also believe to a point is true. Um, and so, you know, there's those kinds of, those kinds of things. Um, and I don't know, I'm still like very hung up and confused on that situation. Like, I don't know. I mean, I understand, you know, someone who is technically a biological male with intact male parts being in a women's restroom with children, like, I don't know if there's enough of an argument to say. I mean, I don't think that people in the trans community are, like, all evil people. I think in every sort of community, there are evil people that uh, want to take advantage of a situation. And unfortunately, that whole community gets blamed for those that small amount of individuals. But I don't think that my identity... And I think that when it comes to the gender identity thing with non-binary and all the, that part I still don't understand. And I'm, I'm trying to understand um, pronouns and all those things. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to give up what I am as a woman um, and change my identity and, and what is solidly characterized in the woman gender I don't think there needs to be like a norm I think that there can be a plethora of things that all exist together and what kind of the most the, the thing that's very the most I mean the other stuff is kind of whatever it doesn't necessarily affect me what affects me specifically as a biological woman is where we get into changing vocabulary um, to be, quote, more inclusive. Um, 
I think there, I want to say it was Kansas who recently um, passed a bill where it clearly defined like what a woman is. And I think there's a lot in the, in this radical community that are wanting to change um, breastfeeding to chest feeders, uh, mothers into birthing people, which is fine. But why can't that just be an added why can't that be like an added thing instead of, you know, like I'm just thinking in a situation where like you're in the hospital as a transgender man, um, you know, that like when you're, that can all be like taken care of like beforehand before you ever get to the hospital so that people know, okay, this is a transgender man giving birth or what, you know, whatever the situation is, I just don't think that you have to take away the word woman to validate birthing people. If that makes sense? Like, I don't think negating somebody, one person's identity because it's seen, it's been seen as the norm. I think we can have both. And I don't under, and I, and I don't understand the argument of why we can't have both. And maybe that is on me. I don't know. Um, as somebody who's kind of looked into the psychology and been really intrigued by the whole cult, um, aspect of, of organizations and things like that and how, how you create a cult identity, you know, that's kind of part of the thing that they do is that they change vocabulary because desensitizing yourself to like, say the word you know, oh, I can't say it on YouTube, but like desensitizing the word, the R word, um, meaning, you know, to mean to, to be something else takes away from, obviously it's about validation. It takes away from the validity of what that action is. So by taking away the word woman, it's, also not only you know taking it's it's taking away the validity of what a biological woman is um and i think that isn't that what their fight isn't that what the fight is for is to have validity so there can i feel like there can be validity in the transgender and the gender identities that are coming out but that doesn't mean that my gender gender doesn't get to be validated Um, and so that's kind of, you know, a slippery slope for me, especially, you know, kind of segueing into another topic. Um, like if we really think that these corporations and our government really cares about the LGBTQ plus community, then we have to be completely lying to ourselves because they're, I've never been a conspiracy theorist. Let me just put that out there. But like, if you don't think that they have an agenda to just sit back and watch everything burn, <laughs> like I definitely, I don't know. They they want us to go against each other because that's when they can step in and take control. And um, but anyway, I have a video from uh, I think she's getting a lot of flack, but um, Flame Monroe, who is a transgender comedian. Um, she kind of had some thoughts on, on transgender women in, in, in women's spaces. So I wanted to set it up.
Trans women are women. What are your thoughts? Trans women are trans women. That's not saying disrespectfully. Because All right. my era, we were transvestites, mm. drag queens, your man in a dress. Mm. We fought to have the title of trans women. Respectfully, trans men are trans men. That is not even a disrespect. It's this younger, new generation, Z crazy, that is not enough for. But let me just break something down to y'all real simple. If a woman is a social construct and we're emulating women, what would that make us? Social construction workers? <laughs> to be truthful. And if biological women stop having sex, if biological women stop having babies, it won't be no more black, white, LGBT, fat, funny looking, or nothing else. I know y'all ain't gonna like the way I put it to you in a box, but when you find the last, stop me. Because I have relationships with trans men that they identify as men, but they're biologically women. They think that, oh, fam, you just pandering for the women. No, I know what a woman is. Woman is Mother Earth. We all yes. came through the birth canal of a woman. All female impersonators, transgender, sex change, whatever. You did not learn how to be a female or act like a female watching somebody like you in a suit and tie. That's a fact. You learn from the woman that raised you, whether it be your mother, your auntie, your stepmother, whomever. But then when I get so comfortable in my gay or my transgender or whatever I decide to become, whatever's instilled in me, I'm better than you? No, I'm not better than you. You're still my sister. Wow. But I'm better than you now? That is the problem. We keep trying to dismiss women. You cannot dismiss a woman. Right. Like So I'm just going to leave that there. Um, and kind of like the next thing that I wanted to get into, and I kind of touched on a little bit, is like corporations kind of capitalizing on whole the whole Pride Month. I mean, I think we're seeing all these businesses um, selling merchandise. Do you think that community gets anything from that? I, I, I really don't know. But um, anyway, so uh, just wanted to start. First of all, there's this clip that's just, it's funny. And I wanted to kind of bring a little bit of a light heart. You know, this is for everything in this is for entertainment value. Um, this is just my opinion. I mean, take it for what it's worth. Um, so, anyway. It's Pride Month, bitch. Get rich. It's Pride Month, bitch. Get rich. Corporations are gay. It's Pride Month, bitch. Get rich. Um, like I said, I've been following Gays Against Groomers, and there's a list of people that I definitely wanted to mention who are really good, um, who are really good at kind of explaining a lot of things from the LGBT community. Um, this first one is Becky Weiss, Weiss, Wiss, um, and I, I love her, um, but um, some of the other ones are Super Awesome FTL, at Super Awesome FTL, or the Free Thinking Lesbian. Love her. She's very satirical. She's kind of more on the entertainment side of everything, but she gives great information. Um, and we're going to hear from a couple other, uh, and a couple other people that I just think are really, really, they have a really poignant perspective on things. So as we all know, Corporations, Bud Light and Target are really like under fire with their whole pride um, and uh, sponsoring, you know, things. So this is Becky Weiss kind of take on the whole Target situation. So. Pride Month is almost upon us, which of course means we're about to see all these corporations just slap a big old rainbow on everything that they do in hopes of gaining some additional revenue by saying, hey, 
We love gay people. Let's take a look at Target, one of the worst offenders in their 2023 Pride collection. I just want to kick it off with this baby onesie that has sexual imagery on it. Let's go ahead and peep that little trans heart there as well as the pride heart there, which are both representations of a sexual orientation or gender dysphoria. Super cute to put your baby in this summer. This bib is for all those adults out there who just desperately need their sexual orientation affirmed by babies. It's just a weird look. It's passed from me. If I walk into a home and I see a sign that says, ask me about my pronouns, I know that I am in the wrong home. Queer liberation is for everyone. Liberation from what? You're free. Queer, 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 queer. Who the fuck designed this? Say gay. Yeah, this whole collection is actually pretty freaking gay. I got the dress in the romper for children because obviously children have business celebrating sexual orientation and sexuality. By far my favorite piece of this entire collection is this one, Validation Not Needed, which is hilarious because this entire movement is founded with adults who kick and scream and cry and throw tantrums over validation. Like, somebody got paid to make this, what? Be sure to shop your local Target to get your children ready for the Gay Pride Parade this summer. And while you're there, be sure to stop at their book selection where they have all of the graphic, pornographic, and sexually explicit books designed for children. Queer. Yeah, and um, the other thing that is going under fire with Target, not only, you know, including children in kind of a sexual space, is I guess the artist that they chose um, is being accused, who is trans, um, is being accused of being a, a Satanist. Um, he has uh, a shirt that says Satan observes pronouns or something like that. Um, so that's really concerning <laughs> that they would promote kind of that, that stuff. Um, but um, this I didn't know about, right? Um, I, the, the human rights organization or association has this thing called the corporate equity, equity, equity index, I think. So, um, I just thought that this, this was some information that I definitely wanted. Target doesn't care if you boycott their stores. They're not afraid of you. They're scared of a much bigger threat. Let me explain. Target's largest shareholders are Vanguard, State Street, and BlackRock. These corporations support the Corporate Equality Index, or CEI. This is a rating system for how much American businesses support the LGBT community. If Target's CEO does not support the LGBT community well, then he's not going to be reelected by the shareholders. So sometimes corporations like Target push LGBT marketing campaigns, not because they particularly want to or it's good for profits, they do it for a high CEI score. So they face a backlash, maybe they lose a little money. Failing to get a high CEI is way more scary. So I just don't understand, like, why, why do we have to have an equality index? Like, why can't we just be good to people? Why can't we just be, you know, again, I feel like going back to, I feel like there's enough space in this world for everybody to exist happily and be respected as a human being. So didn't know that that was a whole, that was a whole thing. Um, and then the whole, you know, the whole thing with that happened with, with Dylan Mulvaney and, you know, again, I feel like there's space enough, there's space for that. Um, you know, I think, Again, you know, somebody who may be interpreted as, you know, pretending, like, putting on this stereotypic idea of what a woman is, like, that doesn't affect me, per se, in a sense. 
Um, my my issue is my my non negotiable is basically the children. Um, I hundred percent do not believe that minors need to be in the gender identity sexuality space of the world. They're still developing. They are very very. They're the most vulnerable of our of our world. And I think, and I'm not saying that they can't be those things, that they can't discover themselves. I'm just saying that, like, we have to develop fully. We have, like, our bodies, even in our 20s, are still developing. Like, you have to give your body a chance, and you have to have experiences, and you have to be able to move through adolescence and and really know, like, what is going on in your body and who you are like just my personal experience you know I struggled all the way up through my 20s trying to figure out my identity and who I was let alone like you know having to figure out gender I never once had to I always knew like I was a girl I was a woman and and that's what it is so having that added on needs to be nurtured and, um, and personally, I, I just don't think that, like, my children don't think in gender. Like, I'm in my daughter's room. She, she likes dinosaurs and unicorns, and she likes playing in the mud and wearing frilly dresses. Like, she goes on what she just feels in the moment, and I support that. And I, she... There's days where I have, where she picks out clothes and it's, and it's more masculine clothes. It's boy clothes. And then there's days where she wants to wear a dress with tulle and I support that. Um, but my daughter doesn't think in gender or sexuality. And I think it's a very, very scary thing when, as a parent nowadays, knowing that, you know, the government wants to step in and kind of take control over, you know, making sure that my child knows about sexuality and gender identity. And I'm like, but why can't she just be a kid? Why can't she just have fun with boys and girls and different races and it just experience? Like, I feel like that's what your adolescence is about. It's just experiencing different things. You know, I'm not saying that anything is bad, but I'm just saying, like, I don't want my children being influenced. Um, I want them to figure that that out and that's what I'm here for because let's say my daughter comes to me and she's you know for whatever reason she's like well I just want to be a boy today I'm not going to just be like no you're a girl like I'm going to take note of it but I'm going to help I want to help her explore whatever I just, I don't agree with people trying to tell other people how to live their lives. And I think that's what it is when it comes to being a parent. They're trying to tell me how to parent. And I don't think that's right. Um, I don't think, and I 100% don't think that children should be sexualized in any way. They should not be influenced by any sort of sexualization or anything like that. Um, It's very, very sad listening to the stories of adults who have detransitioned, who transitioned when they were very young and hearing the repercussions physically of what being on testosterone long-term is like 
uh, after, you know, surgeries. Like, I didn't even know about dilation for trans uh, trans women. Um, Just, like, there's so many, like, complications. Um, There are a few more people um, that I wanted to... Okay, so let me pull her up. I think I missed... There's just a couple of people that I just really wanted to have their voices a part of this. Um, and the first one is, um, it's, she's right side lesbian, at right side lesbian art on Instagram. It's Carol Hatch. And she had a very, she had a very good, um, she had a very good perspective that I, that I, I agree with. I known that. I known that. Maybe I would have still wanted gay rights, but I think I would have fought harder to... Hold on. Getting all the things to do this is like. All right. Here we go. Carol Hatch. Had I known then, maybe I would have still wanted gay rights, but I think I would have fought harder to make sure that we didn't involve the children in adult things, you know, um, because it's, it's horrifying. Is this the people we are now? Is this who we've become? Being a lesbian has to do with being a non-man, liking non-men, regardless of gender or genitalia. If you do not identify as a man and you are only attracted to other non-men, then you can identify as a lesbian. Throughout history, there have always been gender non-conforming lesbians. Um, And it's interesting to see nowadays that there are some folks who kind of try to gatekeep that identity and only include folks who identify as women. Trans men have always been in community with lesbians. Some of those trans men are themselves lesbians. Queer spaces are supposed to be more inclusive, not exclusive. If a cis man walked up to me inside of a gay bar and was like, I identify as a lesbian, no one's fighting him. There's just, there's like a zillion different ways to be a lesbian. Um, And if that word is what's comfortable for you, then nobody can gatekeep it from you. I feel like we're experiencing an entire new form of domestic abuse. I think that is an interesting point. Um, Domestic abuse I definitely feel like both sides kind of can go to these extreme, like, dramatizations. Like, obviously, there's people on social media that are very, like, for entertainment, and very satirical. But I think, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's such a hard, complex thing to navigate. Um, because I think, you know, and I watched a show of Megyn Kelly, and she was like, you know, I have kind of the same point. I think she's very much extreme on the right side, but um, like I wanted to honor and respect and be inclusive. But when you're taking away my rights, like it's hard for me to be able to be inclusive because that's not being inclusive is by taking away biological female rights. So I, yeah. We have been told that Trans women, which are biological men, born biologically a man, are better than women. That we are now cisgender, which the term cisgender basically applies that 
the world revolves around transgender. So if you're not transgender, you must be something else. And now we have young ladies who dislike themselves so much that they can't even say the word woman. They have to call themselves non-men. And that, whether they know it or not, puts men once again, at the center of the universe and breaks everything every feminist ever fought for. That's a very interesting point. Um, Again, I'm very sensitive to vocabulary and changing vocabulary. It has a huge, huge impact, and I don't think people really understand that. Again, coming from somebody who studies cults, I'm not an expert on anything. Again, these are all my opinions, but it's very, very dangerous when you change the verbiage. And now there's no longer real lesbians because lesbians can be non-binary, which basically means anytime you put non in front of something, you're taking your humanity away. I'm not this. I'm not that. You're non-human. What are you non? And that's another interesting point. Again, with the vocabulary, non-human. Like, are you non-human? That's, I, these are just things that are swimming around in my head. You're a young lady. And it's okay to be any kind of a young lady. And we have lost that. So I feel so sad that they've taken away everything we fought for that they feel so horrible about themselves that all they can call themselves is a non-man now. When I... I feel like that's a big thing as somebody who's kind of went through or witnessed, you know, the whole gay rights movement back in the early 90s and early or late 90s, like during the 90s and um, early 2000s. Um, and then the first gay marriage was in 2004. And I do think because there is just this like strong force happening that it is setting that community back. I mean, you know, it's going to frighten the wrong people in power to take away those rights that you guys fought for is what I, that's what I fear. Um, you know, again, I have family members that are a part of this community and for them to get, have to give up their rights and their identity and their way of living because of this new wave of gender identity, that would be heartbreaking to me. Because I feel like a lot of people have just been been able to live their lives. They They have their rights, they have their freedoms. And now, you know, there's this thing that's bucking the whole system of what happened and everything that we, everything that the community broke into. So it's very, it's very scary to go backwards. Was growing up to be a more masculine woman, AKA a butch, these things were not well accepted. And as time went on, we had to face a lot of discrimination. We would go into restrooms, people would say, excuse me, sir, you're not supposed to be in here. This is the women's restroom. Or we would get fired for jobs. I, in particular, also was removed from the military for being a lesbian. I was let go from positions. So we went through a lot of change, but there were a lot of growing pains. And women 
in general came along with that change too. They were fighting for equal rights, equal pay. At that time, you know, women were just secretaries or receptionists. They didn't do a lot of the things that they're doing now. Over the course of time, now obviously women are in the military. They're on the ground. They're with the ground troops. These things were not occurring then. Of course, now things are starting to turn around in a different direction. I mean, let's face it, it kind of almost looks like the slippery slope argument is true. And um, that's kind of an unpopular opinion. But the reality is there are men in dresses going into locker rooms and exposing themselves. You know, there are children at drag shows and there are children being put on hormone blockers and things we don't know what's going to have an effect on them or even in some cases surgically having things done and and as much as we want to ignore it we can't you know i'm always about saving kids so when you start getting children involved it gets messy it gets sticky i'm just terrified that the pendulum is going to swing all the way to the right and we're going to go back because as easy as they can make a law is as easy as they can take one away. Case in point. So they want to harm our children and they're going to take away the LGBT community's rights to live the way that they want to live. It's very, very scary. And that's, yeah. So could they take away gay marriage? They, They could. If you continue to push people into a corner when everything was fine, we had gay marriage, we had our rights and, and, and we were living quiet lives fitting in. Yeah. I definitely think she has a great perspective um, on this. Yeah. Ashton with another, um, Another person is uh, Sarah Higdon. She is a um, transgender uh, woman, and um, she has a podcast. Um, it's called uh, Transform Freedom, I think, with Sarah. I think I'll have to look it up. I'll, I'll have all the information down um, in the description box. But she has another, like, really great perspective on things um, about as far as children in the sexuality space. So Mia Ashton with the Post Millennial published a story this week about an 18-year-old male who was trans that died from complications from a vaginoplasty back in 2016. This person was one of the first people who was placed on puberty blockers for gender dysphoria. In fact, she was part of the original study for the Dutch Protocol, which has been widely used as the standard care for treatment in dysphoric youth. And what the Dutch Protocol says is that you place a child on puberty blockers until the age of 16, and then they go on cross-sex hormones from that point forward. And we know that this person went through this process so young, and so we know there wasn't enough tissue development to do a standard penile inversion vaginoplasty. So when they do that, they have to graft the skin from somewhere else. In this case, it was from the colon. And anytime you graft skin from elsewhere on the body, it makes the surgery a lot more risky. 
it's just unbelievable to me that this death didn't make the industry pause this practice. Um, in fact, it was completely hidden. So you're putting children who cannot consent to medicalization down a path to where much more risky medicalization will happen. Honestly, if you're really looking out for the best interest of dysphoric kids, uh, you would not put them through this because not only can they not consent, but you are putting them at a much higher risk when they get older. Even if you think trans kids are valid, isn't the best way to protect them is to take the risk out of these procedures? That's a great point. Um, with these puberty blockers, cross-sex, and all these surgeries and mastectomies, with children, I just like, but these are little developing bodies. Like they're not thinking, oh, when I'm 30, I'm going to want to have kids. And now I've been on testosterone for five years and now I can't get pregnant. You know, again, we're, our, our world changes, our experiences as we go through them changes who we are and we can change our mind at any moment, whether or not we want to have kids, whether or not we want to be a male, whatever be female and I think kids need to have the adults protect them enough and know enough to like protect that innocent space and just let them be who they are right now and if that's still if that's still something that is apparent in their adulthood then that's when you make those decisions because you've had enough experience you've had let your body be able to grow and develop enough to where you can do this I mean the simple fact that this person was talking about, um, this author was talking about how the body wasn't even developed enough to have this surgery. I'm just like, and people agree to this. I just don't, I don't understand that. And, you know, kids don't think about the repercussions of these medicines, of these surgeries in the long term. And a lot of people in the community, um, have suffered, suffered tragically. Um, and I definitely think that you should look into uh, people who have detransitioned and what their process has been. Um, there's another uh, personality. Uh, it's Matt Ray, transgender male, um, who has actually, because of everything um, with the testosterone, he actually has neurological issues um, that he's being treated for. So he has a perspective that I, I, I agree with as well. I'm going to be as kind as I can here, but I'm a little frustrated at this person who won't leave me alone and insists that I'm a transphobe. I am trans myself, so I've taken it upon myself to tell people my whole story so they can see the entire picture when it comes to transitioning children. There are risks they need to know about. Let's take a second to go over the word transphobia an extreme or irrational fear of transgender people. I am not afraid of myself, so to say that to me is ridiculous. It's actually laughable. The reason I get hate is because I say what some people just don't want to hear, and that is that the current trans movement is largely backed by propaganda and a system that profits off of our confusion. You need to listen to all trans people, all perspectives, not just the ones you want. I think that is a huge point. Um... I definitely think that especially like corporations like Target, Bud Light and all these that are capitalizing on, you know, Pride Month and Pride, they're 100% capitalizing on your confusion. And the medical community is 100% a part of that because you think that they care, you think that they genuinely care about your gender affirmation. 
they know that if they can get you to take all these medications, that if they can get you to do all of these uh, surgeries, that's just money in, in that pocket of the medical community. That's one more house in Boca Raton or wherever the hell that they want to live. To hear. Gender is a biological fact and it is not the same as gender roles. Puberty is hard and most, most children... I think that's another valid point. Gender identity is a fact. Gender, uh, what did he say? Gender identity is a fact. Gender roles are a myth. Gender identity is a fact. Gender roles are a myth. Children experience some degree of body dysmorphia or gender dysphoria. A lot of kids have experienced trauma as well, and they're being led to believe if they change their gender, they'll be happy. I'm here to tell them that that may not be the case. What I'm not here to do is validate what could be mental illness or a temporary feeling. They need to wait till adulthood to make any permanent changes. That is my message. If this scares you, it looks like the real transphobe is you. So, lots of good points. Um, I, like I said, I'm going to have everybody, uh, all the information um, somewhere that you can access it. This is kind of more, you know, for people like myself, you know, the hetero, hetero community, people that are not a part of the LGBTQ plus community. I really think it's, it's, you know, we need to stand up for people's rights. We need to seek the truth always and not just in this space, but in all spaces. Um, know your sources, um, where your sources are coming from. I don't trust a lot of the media. I want to hear, for lack of a better phrase, from the horse's mouth. Um, that's why I really support uh, trans against groomers and gays against groomers community and people that are part of that community. Um, kids don't belong. Kids don't belong in adult spaces. That's all I wanted to really, like, that is my stance. That is my non-negotiable. Kids do not belong adult spaces it doesn't mean that i don't validate a child's feelings and experiences it just means that there is a drastic difference between my children's brain and how they process the world right now and how my adult brain processes the world and um i think it's as as adults we have to protect our children because they are preying on our children and my last thing, it may be a controversial thing to say, but this is to all the biological, these are all to the men out there, trans, whatever. If there was a time, if any, for redemption, for the whole Me Too, for every sexualizing of objectifying of a woman that you've ever done, and we all know that you've done it, now is the time to stand up for your women, to stand up for your children. Now is this, now is your redemption time. You want to, you know, put your money where your mouth is, specifically all the people that if you've ever kept silent to a, a sexual situation against women or children, now is the time for that redemption. Now is the time to stand for something and not fall for, not fall for, you know, evil and true and untruths and falsities in this world. Oh my gosh, guys, this was a really crazy episode. I really appreciate if you stuck with me on this one. I know it's controversial. Um, I do want to say uh, just big love 
to those in the community who who want to protect the children, who who really, you know, have fought for your way of life. Like again, I believe that everybody deserves everybody deserves a space and everybody deserves to live the life that we do. And we need to protect what we need to protect and we always need to seek the truth in no matter what in our lives. So yeah, we're finally here. I got through it. It was a little scary, but we made it. Um, so if you're not watching, uh, if you you don't know, you can watch here on YouTube. You can also listen on Spotify, Google and Apple podcasts. So follow me there. Um, I have episodes every Friday, question mark. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really appreciate you, um, listening to this episode and I understand if it wasn't your episode. Um, again, everything that I talk about is for, is my opinion, it's my experience. I am not a medical professional. I'm not a professional of anything. This is just for entertainment value. Um, again, I appreciate links to everything will be down below and thank you all once again. Thank you for being here. And as always, I hope you all have a fantastic lady day. Bye.